Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. guys, all day long, we've been sharing the message that God has called us to our island. And our name actually geographically locates our mission field. And so the coastline of Vancouver Island, all that exists within it, that is what God has put in our hearts. And so thank you. Thank you for loving not just a city, not just a neighborhood, but a community, a grouping of communities, an island. So thank you for carrying that vision with us. We're really excited to be called Coastline Church. And we're starting a new series, and I'm so thankful that Pastor Lucas has given me the opportunity to speak tonight. Um, it's my, it's one of my uh, dear kind of tender places in my heart is this like young adult Sunday night thing. It's kind of been in our hearts for many, many years, and I'm just so glad that you're here. And God has something special for you. I really do believe that tonight. And um, when I was talking with Pastor Lucas about speaking tonight, I just thought, you know what, sometimes you just need an older guy's perspective. Um, and so here I am, <laughs> a little bit of an old guy's perspective. I, I probably hang out with your parents. It's kind of like that, you know. Um, but like in my heart is just this real sense that like you have a call from God. God wants to do something so amazing with your life. And I want you to know that you're actually on a season, like you're in a season right now where things are about to really come into clarity for you. I really believe that. And this house wants to help you do that. There's really only two things that I want to talk about, but I'll talk about them for about 30 minutes. And the first one is this. We're a home. We're a home. This is a home. This is Welcome Home Sunday. We're a house where many people uh, find a place of refuge and a place of hope. And we're a home. Uh, we just sing House of Miracles. And really, that's become a theme for tonight because we really are a house of miracles. We're a home for the miracle of salvation. And I say it's a miracle because anyone who confesses that Jesus is their Lord only does that because the Holy Spirit does something in their heart. That's what the Bible says. And so it truly is a miracle when people say, I'm a follower of Jesus. When God reveals himself to them in a way where they say, I will follow Jesus. In fact, Jesus in Luke chapter 4 quoted Isaiah 61, and I'm going to read it for you now. The first verse, Isaiah 61, 1. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. That's a pretty awesome verse, isn't it? It's pretty fantastic, pretty powerful. Now, Pastor Lucas will pick up next week at verse 2 and keep going because this passage in Isaiah is actually the theme of our whole series. And this is a series that Pastor Lucas outlined for us. And so I want to say thank you for what he's done there. 
But this is an important piece because really what this says is this gives us a sense of purpose. Because Jesus, when he read this in Luke chapter 4, he opened up this scroll and he was standing in the synagogue in Nazareth. And he read it, he read this verse and the next verse, then he rolled it up and here's what he said. Today this is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I'm the one who this verse is talking about. I know Isaiah wrote it a long time ago, but he was talking about me. Yeah, sure, about him and his circumstance and God using him as a prophetic voice before um, people were pushed off into exile. But it was really about me. It's fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus is the one who has the spirit of the sovereign Lord on him. But here's the deal. He left us behind. We're his church. In other words, we're his hands, we're his feet, we're his voice, we're his love. We are his embrace to a world that desperately needs him. And so understand this, Coastline Church, the Holy Spirit is on you. And he has anointed you to preach good news to the spiritually impoverished. To bind up those who need emotional healing. To proclaim freedom for those who live in a dark prison of sin, of guilt, of shame. And that's what a house of salvation looks like. It's a place where people can come and they can find Jesus. They can find hope. They can find grace. They can find forgiveness. They can find a place just to rest, just to let worship be sung over them because maybe they haven't even found their own voice yet. That's what this is. That's what this place is. And so here's our commitment to you will always make a place for people to come home to Jesus. Always. We'll always take the time in our services to say, you know what, Jesus was a great shepherd, and he said a great shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And so we'll join him in that. We'll always take the time to welcome in the one. And maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're here tonight, and you feel far from God. But I want you to know Jesus has been calling to you, and he loves you. And tonight, he has actually reached toward you, leaving behind the crowd that's here to speak to your heart, to your life, because he always leaves the 99 to go after the one. And this is really a part of our mission, because we see as Coastline Church a, a, a path for people and people who are far away feeling lost God wants to reach them and bring them in and so here's how we say it we say we want to see lost people saved saved people pastored pastored people trained and trained people mobilized that's our heart for you that's why we use next steps language, because we all have somewhere to go. And God wants to lead us. God wants to take us by the hand. And this is what a miracle house of salvation looks like. And so now I want to talk to you about the other piece. And it has to do with one of the songs that we sang tonight, a song that uh, Josh, Josh, are you in here? Josh, there he is. Josh wrote, uh, did Luke help? Did you guys write together? Yeah, that, that song about revival that we sang that has the, the uh, chorus about you're doing something new. That's the latest song that's kind of come together in our house. And it really speaks to that, this theme. And that is that we are coastline. We are a home for the miracle of revival. And maybe you've heard me talk a little bit about renewal and revival. But I, I want to spend some time tonight talking about what happens when God sets people, communities, neighborhoods, and whole regions on fire for him. 
He burns in their hearts in a way that brings transformation. Charles Finney, who was a great revivalist, now long gone, but did a great work for God, says it this way. Revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It's the giving up of one's will to God in deep humility. You see, we have all these stories that we could read about revivals of the past, times where God had really moved in powerful moments. And I was reading about uh, a revival that took place in Scotland. Any Scots in the house? Any kilt-wearing Scots in the house? No? I got one on the front row right here in the green. She's a Scottish girl. Plays the bagpipes, if you can believe it. My... Sweet wife. I had to go all the way to, what was that place we went to? Jordan, in order to hear her play the bagpipes. But maybe someday she'll play for us. Would you like to hear Lisa play the bagpipes? I would. I'd really like that. Anyway, in like 1949, it was after World War II. And all these little Scottish islands had, you know, all the young people had been shipped out to help with the war effort, right? Because because um, Germany was just pounding against the coastline of, of the UK. And so after the war, they all came back, but they didn't come back to church. They didn't come back to community. And so there was these two sweet old ladies. One was like 82, one was 84. One was completely blind and the other was bent over because of arthritis. They couldn't do much, but they were burdened about what was going on in their church. And so they started to pray. They started to pray that God would send a, a revival. And in short, in short order, they had a vision, a vision of their church full of young people. And this vision motivated them. They called the pastor and they said, we have had a vision. God is going to move. There's going to be a revival in our city. There's going to be a revival in our church. And so the pastor was like, well, what am I supposed to do about that? She, and, and they said to him, you better start praying. And so they started having prayer meetings and God began to show up. And people would say that they would come by boat because it was an island. These, were, these islands were called the Hebrides Islands. And one of them in particular was called Lewis. And when you would take your little boat, you take your ferry or whatever, toward the island of the Lewis Island, when you would get close to it, you could feel God. That's what they would say. People would get off the boat and they wouldn't even make it to the church before they felt the presence of God. People who lived on the island wouldn't even come to church, but they would give their lives to Jesus because the power of God was working in the atmosphere. There's one story in particular where a man shows up knocking on the door of the pastor's house late at night and he lets him in and he says, I haven't seen you at any of our meetings. He said, no, no, I've never been to any of your meetings. But what happened to me is I was walking home from work and it was like God just started talking to me. I went down and I sat in my chair and I turned on my gas lamp and there was a fly buzzing around it. And, and, and God spoke to me and said, you're like that fly and you better be careful. You're getting too close to the flames. And he ran to the pastor to get his heart right with God. Guys, I want to tell you, you know, it's revival when a fly is preaching the gospel, right? I mean, seriously, God is up to something when those kind of things begin to happen. And, and the, you know, similar story about here in Victoria in 1923, a revival began with Dr. Charles Price at the Metropolitan United Church, which is the Alex Goulden Hall. It's just literally a stone's throw from here. 
And they started there with nightly revival meetings in the spring of 1923. And what began to happen is crowds swelled. There were 2,000 inside, 1,000 on the outside. They didn't know what to do. They had to figure something out. So they went to Willow Arena. That was like before Save on Foods, before Memorial, it was the Willow Arena. And they went there in 1923. And they began to have these meetings. And the Willow Arena would hold 6,000. And they were cramming 9,000 people into it and turning away 4,000 a night. God was speaking to people. They were hungry. They wanted to come. And there was massive healings. There was beautiful transformations. Hundreds and hundreds of people were healed. One notable healing was a man who had a goiter on his neck so big that he was starting to choke and it was completely healed. Another one was a a young girl, was a minister's daughter who was crippled. They brought her in in a wheelchair or no, on a stretcher and they prayed for her and she was healed. These are dramatic pictures of revival, not to mention hundreds of people being saved. But Charles Price talks about one thing in particular that really touched him. He says that out of all of his ministry, and he did revivals all over the U.S. and all over Canada. He said the most significant moment of his ministry was one night he came out of our arena. He had preached three services, and he comes outside, and there's the police commissioner and a contingent of Chinese people, Chinese men from Chinatown in Victoria. It's the oldest Chinatown in Canada. Did you know that? It started here because of the railroad. And they started building the railroad and went across. And so that Chinatown was here. And, and those folks didn't feel like they could come to the arena. It was a different day than it is now. But when he came out, they said, would you come? He went to a theater where they had, they had crammed in 400 Chinese people. And he preached the gospel to them. And he said, does anybody here want to give their lives to Jesus? And every hand goes up. And he said, we began to bring people forward. There were missionaries that happened to be home on furlough. That means they were back from the, from the field in, in China. And they began to minister to these people. And then that whole group went out and Dr. Charles Price thought he was done. And a whole room full of women, Chinese women came in. He had to preach again. And they all accepted Christ and then they prayed for them. And then they all left. And then the room filled up again with men. And then he preached again and they all, four times the room was full. He said it was the most significant moment of his life as a minister. And it was right here in our city, right here. So why do I share that with you? Because as I was studying this, as I was praying this, and I was like, oh God, do something in our city. I felt like God said something to me. God said this next move of God that's going to happen here in our hearts, in our lives, in our time is going to be multi-ethnic. God is going to use the nations of the world, you see, because what happened back then in 1920s, in 1910s, in 1902, from that time forward, when God started pouring out his spirit in North America and different places, missionaries started going out. And for the last, literally, a hundred years, God has been lighting fires all over the globe. Massive, massive revivals in India. Last 50 years, huge revivals in Africa. Did you know that in China, the underground church is so large that by 2050, they believe that China will be the largest Christian nation in the world? Come on, somebody. What is God up to? Across Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, different places. The last 50 years, God has been moving powerfully. In Latin America, in Brazil, they don't build churches. They build stadiums and fill them with Christians. God is moving powerfully. And now what we're seeing is people are coming back. 
People are now immigrating here. We have Brazilians. We have our Filipinos. Any Filipinos in the house? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I see that hand. Yes. You know what? God is bringing the nations back. And I think multicultural cities are positioned in a powerful way to see God move in a multi-ethnic way. Listen, I don't care who leads it. Let's just have revival. Amen. And if it, it means the nations can come together, oh yes, let's practice heaven. Let's practice heaven. So anyway, I'm fired up. I want to ask you a question. Have, have you ever felt the touch of God on your life? In other words, ever like been in a service, maybe the worship was like, you know, it was a really moving song and you, you just felt like God came close. Maybe, maybe you felt the touch of God. Maybe you felt like God has spoken to you at one time. Maybe, maybe you've just like felt warmth or, or, or just a peace that just kind of came over you. It's like God was speaking to you, just felt his presence. I want you to know that that is real, very real. But that's what I would call the subjective and personal moving of God. It's about you and God. And God loves you so much. He's very happy to meet with you at any point. You know, you just simply become mindful of him, prayerful, worshipful. And God comes near. Why? Because he loves us. But that personal and subjective moving of God is wonderful. But in revival, what happens is that subjective personal shifts into an objective public move of God. It's like God takes the camera lens and just zooms it out. And everything in the scope of that lens, now he begins to pour his presence out upon it. That's what happens in cities, you know, in churches and cities and communities. I'm believing for Vancouver Island that God is going to send a wave of revival across our island and across our nation. I really believe that God wants to move. I mean, revival. Can you imagine people in the streets saying, I just got to get right with God? Can you imagine people lining? up at the doors to hear truth. Can you imagine your roommates and your co-workers and your friends at school all of a sudden saying like, God is visiting me and I don't know what to do about this. And we could have an answer for them. Come with me. I want to teach you about Jesus. Wow. Duncan Campbell, the, the man who came as a, as a minister to lead this Hebrides revival. Here's how he defined revival. It's so good. He said, revival is a community saturated with God. Isn't that amazing? Can you think about that? He says, the road and the hillside become sacred spots to many when the winds of God blow. Revival is a going of God among his people, an awareness of God, laying hold of a community. Oh, God, do it again. I want this. I want to see this. Man, I just want to tell you, I, I said that first Wednesday and some of you were there. I'll say it again. Why not now? Why not us? Why not this moment? Why not you? Why not God just blessing you and touching you and feeling? Why not? I don't see any reason why not. And listen, can I just say to you, wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that just be amazing? Wouldn't that be a blast? Wouldn't it be the best days of your life when God was pouring out his spirit and it was a big mess and we couldn't keep up with all of what God was doing and people were getting saved and people were being healed and people's minds were being cleansed and settled. Peace was coming, transformation, missionaries being sent, the island being reached, churches being planted. Come on, somebody, that sounds like a really good time to me. I'm hungry to see God move. 
I want you to look at a passage with me. It's one that, you know, it's a revival passage. I want you to look at it with me. I'm only gonna look at two verses, but you could read the whole passage if you want. And this to me was really where my, my heart settled as I thought about what I wanna share on sort of opening day of Coastline Church. And I think what I wanna say is just like, I, I'm not believing just for a new name. I'm believing for new wine to be poured into new wineskins for God to do something that transforms a city and an island. That's what I'm believing for. It's not just about a name. It's about mission, calling, vision. That's what it's about. And so I want you to look at this passage with me. And God's been speaking to me freshly about it. And I'm going to read one verse that's not very familiar and the other one that's like super familiar. If you've ever been in a prayer meeting, <laughs> you probably have heard this verse. But um, I, I want to share it because I really think that it gives us a, a balanced picture of where we're at and what God wants to do. And so let me read this verse to you. Second Chronicles 7, 13. God says, and let me just say, this was when um, Solomon had dedicated the brand new temple to God. And God visited them and he said this, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, I'm going to stop there for a minute because the next verse is so famous. When we read it, you'll be like, oh yeah, I get it. But I just want you to hear the backstory. God is saying, when, when things are bad, when things are messed up, when things are going sideways, I want you to think about where we've been the last three years. If you think about the last two and a half years and think about what this verse is saying, there's no rain. I want you to know across the globe, there's been massive drought, right? And then followed by massive flooding, <laughs> right? And, and this is a, a picture of what's going on spiritually. I don't know if you felt it, but I've just felt like, man, there is just a spiritual drought in our world, in, in what I see. Now, I know God, I just told you all the things God's doing, but when, when what I've seen, people are dry. People are disinterested. People are not open at all. There's, there's no pathway, it seems like, to share our faith. It's hard. But, but I want you to also see, it says, or, or command locusts to devour the land. Now, obviously, we're not expecting, like, grasshoppers everywhere. But think about what that means. That would have meant the collapse financially of the culture. I want you to think about where we are. It's been a bit distressing. You know, inflation is rising. There's a housing crisis. There's a war in Europe. You know, there's a, they're talking about recession, right? These are all words that are now kind of in the, in the financial climate. And, and, it's, and the, the message from God goes on, or if I send a plague among my people. I mean, we just came out of a pandemic. <laughs> That's a bit of a plague, wouldn't you say? So why do I point those things out? I didn't just mean to suck all the oxygen out of the room and let's pray, right? The point is, this fits with where we are. It's like God's talking to us. It's like he's talking to you saying, hey, hey, Victoria, 2022, let me talk to you. When it looks like this, let me tell you what you do. When it looks like this, here's what you do. If my people... Verse 14, who are called by my name will humble themselves 
and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. It's a promise from God. It's not just a verse in the Bible. It's a promise from God in times like this. It starts with a really important piece though, guys. It says, if my people called by my name, who is God talking to but his people, the followers of God? Listen, change in a negative, messed up world rests on the people of God. It's not on the politicians. It's not on the social media influencers. It's not on the life coaches. It is on the church. Sometimes we would say, man, I wish this world would just get it right. No, church. We're called to get it right. That's where we're at tonight. That's what God is saying to us. You see, God wants to move, but we must change our focus from survival to revival. Could revival actually become our focus where we are so believing that God is moving? It's not even a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And we're waiting with a sense of, oh yeah, you can wait in two ways. You can wait and just pass time and say, boring. Or you can wait like, oh, come on, God. (laughs) I'm just looking for it because God's going to move. You can wait in different ways, but we have to change our focus from survival to revival. And what this means is it has to be more than about my calendar, about my Instagram feed, about my work, about my needs, about my school, about my concerns. There's a paradigm shift from me to we. And from we, the church, to everybody. God wants to pour out his spirit. And how does he intend to do that? When you and me do a few things. Humble ourselves. Wow. You know, uh, it's hard to humble ourselves. Stubbornness actually keeps us from admitting we're wrong. And sometimes I'm stubborn and I actually hate admitting I'm wrong, especially especially when it's to Lisa. (laughs) That's my wife, by the way. And she's right a lot. And that's annoying. (laughs) Actually, it's not. You're pretty awesome. But it's hard to admit we're, we're wrong. It requires humility. But you know what I've discovered is that's a key to a good relationship with my wife. And when it comes to being humble spiritually, when we think about that, spiritually, humility looks like genuinely asking God for help. So many of us live our lives thinking, I've got this, or at least I've got to try to get it. No one's going to do it for me. But admitting that we can't do it on our own is what spiritual humility looks like. To actually come to the place and say, God, I have no idea how anything in this world could change. I have no idea how the tide of culture, how the pressure that I feel at university, how, how the, just the way the world is working, the, the war in Europe, I, how in the world, I don't know God. All I can say is help, help, help God. 
I don't see any way out of the mess. But when things are desperate, God says, humble yourself. That's where we start, guys. Just humble ourselves. And then he says, pray and seek my face. And prayer, prayer is calling on God to move. Simply saying, God, would you move, pouring out our hearts before him. Oh, Lord, we're humble and we're asking you to move. But seeking his face is this longing, this desire. And I think that's what, why God said, pray and seek my face. Because praying can be an act, but seeking my face is a lifestyle. It's a continual pressing toward God. It's a sense that God is worth searching for, that the work of God is worth waiting on, that the power of God manifested among us, the presence of God poured out is something worth fighting for. So I will seek your face. I'll pray and I'll seek your face. I told a story this morning about a woman named Susanna Wesley, lived a long time ago. It was a day, different day than today. She had 15 children. Six of them died. One of them was blind. Another was crippled. She had massive debt. Her house burned down twice. Whose house burns down twice? She lost everything she owned. She was bad debt, chronic health trouble, just a really tough life. But she knew that she could at least pray. And so she used to take a chair and set it in the corner of her kitchen. She'd sit on that chair in her kitchen and she'd pull her apron over her head to pray. And she told her kids, when I have my apron over my head, I'm in my place of prayer. Don't bother me. And she would pray. Story says that she would pray for two hours a day. I don't think she sat there and prayed for two hours because she had lots of kids. But she found a way to pray for two hours a day. And I want you to know, her life went on. She got to the end of her life. Her life was over. She still had debts. She still wasn't well. And many would say that not many things changed, but she had two sons. Susanna Wesley had two sons, John and Charles. John preached the sermons, and Charles wrote the songs. And together they led the Wesleyan revival and led, listen, tens of millions of people to Christ. That's the power of prayer, friends. That's the power of prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. You know, we've been meeting on Tuesdays for prayer. And again, Pastor Lucas is feeling the same burden I am for prayer. We're just like, yes, we've got to pray. He's helping me organize that. And every Tuesday we meet for prayer in this room. People join us online. Some of you, you've got classes, you've got work. I get it. But if you can join with us, join with us. There's a fire that's starting to burn there. And we've been praying and seeking God. We've been praying for our West Shore campus, by the way. And we started praying for them when they had no place to meet. They went almost two years without a place to meet. We prayed for them and we found a temporary place and they were there for six months. And it wasn't very long until they were outgrowing the place. They're doing double services. That's where they're at right now. Um, and we, so we're like, okay, God, we need, a, we need something else. <laughs> and so we continued to pray. And I want you to know that on Thursday, I signed a lease for Belmont High School and they're going back on October 2nd. So praise God for answered prayer for our West Shore campus. God does answer prayers. We seek him. And then, 
And then God's command was to turn from our wicked ways. You know, we all need to continually turn back to God. There's times we're just walking through life, we realize, hold on, this isn't the path of the righteous. This isn't the path that I'm supposed to walk as a follower of Jesus. I need to turn back to God. I think turning is such a key thought. Listen, when you're walking through your day and you have these random rogue negative thoughts, you have this anger, this frustration, can I just encourage you, turn back to God. That's what this is saying. I'm humbling myself. I'm praying, seeking your face, and I'm turning back to you as often as I can remember it. When I'm, when I'm, when I'm perplexed, when I'm concerned, when my path is off, when my righteousness has failed me, I turn back to God and say, give me your righteousness, Lord. You know, that turning is so key. In fact, I think repentance is the great fuel for revival. I really do. In the Hebrides revival that we've been talking about a bit, I read a lot about it this week. It's got me pretty fired up. Um, the Hebrides revival, there was a young man who was meeting with a group of other young men. And it makes me think about this group. It was like a guy in his early 20s, late teens, I don't know. And he was praying with a group of guys. And as he prayed, he felt God move on his heart. And so he picked up his Bible and he read Psalm 24, verses three and four. And so he picked up his Bible and he read it. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. And he said in his Scottish brogue of 1949, Brethren, it just seems to me to be so much humbug to be waiting and praying as we are if ourselves are not rightly related to God. And then lifting up his hands toward heaven, he cried out, Oh God, are my hands clean? Is my heart pure? And the story says that he got no further but fell to the floor under the power of God. An awareness of God filled the barn. A stream of supernatural power was let loose. This was a new sphere of God realization. And Duncan Campbell, who led that revival, said this was the moment when the revival began. Because repentance was present. And it, it was fueled by a hunger for more of God. We all need a continual turning back to God. So this verse says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. There's an if-then relationship. If these things happen, then I will hear from heaven. Forgive their sin, heal their land. But I want you to be careful here because we can get into a contractual arrangement with this verse. I do these things, then God does these things. But I want you to know that this isn't a, a contractual relationship. This is a love relationship. And God is saying to his people, listen, when things are bad, if you'll do these things, then I'll be free to do what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to move. 
I've always wanted to pour out my spirit. I've always wanted to heal and to forgive. I've always wanted to hear. But listen, there are things in the way. So let's be the people of God who realize that you, God, want to be free to do what you've always wanted to do. So God, out of our hunger, we will gladly humble ourselves. Out of our desire to see you move, we will pray and we will seek your face. God, out of a desperation and a need for revival, we turn from our wicked ways that you might hear us and pour out your spirit. We need this. Guys, this is what it's all about. What's the point of the Christian life? Yes, to honor the Lord. Yes, to worship God. But why didn't we get immediately removed from this world when we gave our lives to Christ? Up to heaven we go. Kind of sounds nice, doesn't it? But we have a mission. And we can't do it without God moving in our world. I believe that God wants to change the spiritual atmosphere and create a hunger that none of us can take credit for because he's up to something. But we're his people, we're his church, and we're called, we're called to pray. I want you to pray with me. Why don't we do that? Why don't we start tonight? Why don't we start right now? Hey, take a minute and just bow your heads with me. God, our hearts are moved. We're hungry for a move from God. Coastline Church wants to be a wineskin that you can pour new wine into, Lord. So God, we choose to do what you said so that you can bring what you've promised. So I just wonder, you know, it seems like it's a time for courage. I wonder if there's anybody in the house that just says, you know what? I'm one of those ones that have wandered off from the 99. I've not been where I should be with God. I feel God's conviction on my heart tonight. I feel God speaking to me. I know God wants me to come near. I've not been near to him and I want to move back to him tonight. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand right now? Would you be courageous? Just lift up your hand. God, you see these hands. Lord, you see them. Oh God, see this humility in a raised hand, God. See this humility and come. Come, Lord. Come and touch these lives that are humble before you, asking you for help. You don't turn us away, Lord. Thank you, God. Fill us. Forgive us. Give us clean hands and a pure heart, Lord. We're lifting up our hand to you, saying, oh God, touch us, touch us. You can put your hands down. I just wonder though, in this time of courage, if there's someone that's just saying, Andy, I'm hearing you. And I know I need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. I need the presence of God in a fresh way in my life. I need courage, I need strength. If that's you tonight, why don't you just lift up your hand and let's pray together. I need courage. I need strength. I need a fresh infilling from the Holy Spirit tonight. God, you see these hungry hands being raised. 
people who are saying, God, I want more of you. I, I know you're not done yet, Lord. I know you wanna work in this world and work in my life. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Touch the hungry tonight, Lord. Let fires burn within them. In Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, we all pray together that you truly would send a move of God in our church, in our city, and on our island. In Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen.